Welcome to this episode of New Tech Teacher Talk. This is your host, Heath, and I welcome to the podcast a colleague and friend that I've known for quite some time. Eric Wilkinson is the director of the Wando High School Choir Program in Charleston, South Carolina. His choirs have performed at state, regional, national, and international choral festivals, including Carnegie Hall, St. Peter's Basilica, and the Washington National Cathedral. He is as well-traveled as a conductor as his choirs, and he's been recognized at the state and national level for excellence in teaching. Eric, welcome and thank you so much for taking some time to speak with me today. Thanks, Heath. It's great to talk with you. Excited. Great. Well, let's just jump right in. I want to begin just by asking you to describe your choir program at Wando. How many students, ensembles, class schedule, and so forth, just so we have an idea of the size and scope of your program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the Wando course program uh, we have five different choir classes. Uh, it's about 270 students. And the five choir classes, we have a men's choir, and then um, an entry-level women's choir, mid-level women's choir, an advanced women's choir, and then our uh, top SATB mixed choir. So five different choirs, most of them single gender, uh, except for the top choir, which is a mixed choir. Uh, we've got... Um, three teachers, director, myself, and two associate directors, Matt and Lizzie, who are awesome. And uh, we have a very, very busy uh, schedule and busy program. We've done um, performances uh, at ACDA and obviously our state MEA um, performances, and which included a Mozart Requiem performance uh, in the last two years. We do six major concerts a year. Um, and dozens of other minor concerts. We do a lot of traveling. Um, have done great performance tours, two performance tours to Italy, um, Hawaii. We did last year a big Pearl Harbor performance. We were supposed to be in Ireland this spring, but obviously because of the pandemic that had to be canceled. Um, but so it's a big program, very active program. There's always, always something going on and always a performance uh, right around the corner. Well, I know that everyone is aware of the challenges that teachers and students have faced during this COVID-19 pandemic. What have you found to be the biggest challenge for you as a teacher during this time? Oh, man, I think the biggest thing is just being away from the group setting with my students. You know, that just electric energy that you get when your ensemble walks in the door and they just come from all their different other classes and they're just excited and chitting and chatting about things. And then you, you harness that energy as a conductor and get them going. And I, I miss uh, having them all you know, together at once. I feel, I feel personally, I feel most like myself when I'm in front of my choir and interacting with them. Um, as a group, whether it's rehearsing or whether it's, you know, working on sight reading or developing their independent musicianship or particularly, I think, like talking about, hey, we got to get ready for this next or this is what we need to do. And, you know, Zoom meetings help, but sometimes even right now, you know, they can't all be there at the same time. It's just kind of a free for all with the daily schedule of Zoom meetings for the kids. We haven't really figured out that, hey, we need to just still Zoom them at the same time as class, um, if possible. So not all of them can be there. 
and also with Zoom meetings, it's tough to get a good read on how they're feeling that day, what's going on, or to get a good vibe on their reaction to you explaining upcoming assignments. And, you know, as great teachers, we can sense so many different things in the room um, when your students need to be challenged a bit more, when you need to maybe slow down and repeat some stuff. And it's hard to get a, it's hard to get a feel for that doing the online learning. So I think, so that's kind of been the biggest, the biggest problem for me. Sure. And, you know, someone described to me their experience with all this this way. You know, they said it was like being in a plane and the pilot suddenly died and I had to take over the controls. The first priority was just keeping the plane in the air. And, <laughs> you know, and then once it was yeah. stable, yeah. my attention turned to actually navigating the plane. And now at some point I've got to figure out how to land it. <laughs> So just tell me about, yeah. you know, can you relate to that statement? And what can you tell me about how maybe you've changed or adapted new strategies after realizing that this was going to last longer than really any of us expected? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good, uh, a really good metaphor for this. We, yeah, I think from the planning standpoint, it's been so challenging because all of a sudden, you know, I didn't know I was going to have to take over the, <laughs> the the plane and figure out how to land it. Or if I did, I didn't know how much time I was going to have to study up on how to do all that. I think for us, it was challenging um, here in South Carolina because at first it was just two weeks. Okay, now I, you come up with some plans for two weeks, but then after that, and then, you know, we realized it was going to be probably a little bit longer than that, and that turned into four weeks. And that, but you know, trying to plan, not knowing what really was going to happen. What should I have my kids work on for the next two weeks? Like, are we going to get back into school? And all of a sudden, I need to put together the spring concert. So we should be doing mini like online sectionals of that, or should we be preparing them for uh, something else, like end of the year auditions and stuff like that? So that's been really challenging, just not knowing. Now we know. Okay, you we're not going back for the rest of the year, so. Um, we can plot our course. Some of the strategies now we're we're just planning for on their end of the year auditions and figuring out ways to do some of our end of the year choir events virtually, uh, which is going to take some creative, some creative uh, problem solving for sure. I know you mentioned earlier that you have two assistant directors that work with you. How has that been just coordinating with them and sort of yeah. responsibilities? That's a great question. So we, um, the regular setup uh, for our choir program is, you know, we, we co-teach, but each teacher is assigned, you know, to be lead teacher for, to, for one or more classes. And so the, if you're the lead teacher for a class, you take primarily responsible the primary responsibility for communication uh, with the, that the, those students and their parents for the grading, for repertoire planning, and all of that. And then the other teachers are, you know, help and support are a supportive role. So we all have the, those lead teacher roles in the program. Then what we we spend a lot of time in even in regular circumstances making sure that all of the choir classes are are fairly consistent with the way with what they're doing and how they're doing it um so we're, we're all using the same methods we're using solfege we're using takadini and we're going about 
the process of becoming better choir students and better singers in the same way. So there's a lot of consistency. And Matt, Lizzie, and I spend a lot of time making sure that all the classes are on track and and uh, and do working on their their curriculum in the same way. So now that we're remote, instantly, poof, hey, all the choir kids are at home and all three of us are at home. We're having to um, spend a lot of time talking with each other even more about what we're working on with our choirs each week to make sure that they're gonna be uh, ready for the end of the year audition and how we're going about that. And uh, it's been tricky actually. So normally, you know, one teacher, if you're just a single teacher for your own classroom, you get up and you just make the assignments. So you don't have to check in with other teachers. It takes a lot, it takes some additional time, but it's totally worth it because we can then give that much more time back to some special attention to individual students if they need it. And so it'd be impossible to try to, to, um, take care of all the kids and their musical needs and educational needs if it was if it was just me. Uh, so I'm really grateful and thankful that uh, we have a supportive uh, administration and sees the value into having um, multiple choir teachers to develop these great young musicians. Administration is certainly incredibly important uh, part of that. So well let me ask next and you touched on this earlier that you know one of the great things about being in a choir or an orchestra or a band program is the sense of community for the students. And those ensemble rooms are often the first place they gather in the morning before school mm -hmm. starts. And, you know, the last place uh, they go before leaving school, whether it's because they have a rehearsal or it's just because they're coming to check in to see what the scoop is on what happened <laughs> during the day, you know? So, yeah. you know, are there any things that you've been able to do to maintain that sense of community with the students while they're away? It's, it's hard. That that's, I think the hardest thing because that's what they enjoy the most about uh, being involved in a choir orchestra or band ensemble. And many times they're in there for four years and it's all of their closest friends and, they get to see each other and interact with each other. And so that's been uh, taken away and it's hard to keep that going. One of the, th a couple of things that we've tried to do is um, we, Lizzie actually had this idea and she said, hey, let's just post to the choir Instagram account. You know, each of us take a date and we'll just post fun stuff uh, one of those days each week just to keep the kids, you know, looking at our Instagram account and if they're all looking at the same thing, that can be fun. And it's and it's mostly funny and fun stuff, not anything necessarily directly related to like, hey, you have to take this Google quiz or something like that. You know, it's just funny life stuff. We another thing I've I've tried to do is I um I've been make I've made a lot of YouTube videos and uh, just they're mostly YouTube videos to explain the assignment for that week. Because if you think about uh, you know, great teachers are not just going to hand out an assignment and say, good luck, go to it. I'll see you. I'll see you when it's due. You know, we explain things and and talk about it in further detail so that, you know, the visual learners are reading it, the auditory learners are hearing you and, and, and everything in between. And so I've made a bunch of videos for them. And I try to also include, you know, some silly fun stuff in there and a lot of times my daughters will poke their head into the background of the video, which is real life. And that makes them hopefully feel a little bit more connected, at least still connected to me. 
So that's the two things that we've been doing. Well, tell me, have there been any particular technology related challenges that you've encountered? Or can you tell me about maybe any particular technology resources or apps or tools that you found to be particularly useful? Absolutely. So you touched on this in, in one of your music tech posts. You can't rehearse an ensemble remotely. It's a pain. What the heck? <laughs> Zoom, <laughs> Zoom doesn't work. Skype doesn't work. You know, and it's and they don't. I had to point out to them, hey guys, guess what? You know, we can't just we can't just all sing together on here and record it and have that be our concert. Uh, really, we can't. Yeah, ready? Let's try. Let's. Hey, it's so and so's birthday today. Let's all sing happy birthday. Ready? Go. And it was awful. It was the worst thing I've ever heard. Yes. And they're all choir students. <laughs> and wow. it was, uh, so it was, that is the obvious thing, you know, for ensembles like this just kills it. This kills us trying to figure out ways to, to rehearse. And you, you really can't uh, right now anyway, the technology isn't there. Things that I have found to be helpful. I definitely have been using, I've been, like I mentioned, YouTube, making my own videos to explain the assignment. And then, you know, you just upload it and send the private link to the students. iMovie has been great if I need to, you know, make an edit a little, make a video a little fancier um, with some subtitles and stuff like that. I've done that a little bit. Voice memos are great for practice tracks. Smart Music, they've been doing Smart Music assignments. We, we were already using Smart Music, uh, thank goodness. And so that was right away, as soon as we went on to quarantine, I uploaded some more Smart Music assignments. And then I've been using just like the Google suite, stuff like crazy, docs, forms, quizzes, Google Classroom, Google Sheets. Those have been my go-to um, technology resources. Yeah, so like the Google suite, is that something that your school or your school system, is that universal in your system or? It is, it is. So everybody has a Google account and then has access to all of those um, resources. I think that's super important that you know, these kids are managing, uh, depending on the type of schedule their school is on, anywhere from four to maybe seven different classes and having mm -hmm. kind of a central place to go to access all the classes is, is I think, really important. Right. Well, and I just it's the easiest thing about being able to email a student and you don't you don't have to know their email. You just type their name in and it comes up with their school email account. Of course, they have to check their school email, but at least you can find them really easy and I don't have to keep, um, you know, some big address book of all my students' names uh, at hand. So that, that's really helpful, it speeds it up. Sure. So for some teachers, when all this came about, they may have left their school building one day thinking that they were gonna be returning in a, a week or two. And if they weren't gonna go back to resume school, at least maybe they were gonna be able to go in and pick up some of their teaching materials to use at home, but then later found out that, wow, we can't get back in our rooms. I know that hmm. you fairly recently had a book published with uh, GIA publications that is full of some great instructional resources for teachers. Can you tell me a little about the book and, and how you've been able to transfer some of those exercises and skills into the digital world? Absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just recently published Habits of a Successful Choral Musician with GIA. It has a conductor's edition and a student edition, and it's, a, it's essentially a, 
a fundamentals book or a, a method book for choral students or for choral singers. And it has in it just everything. It's like a one-stop shop for all the stuff you really want to use. Um, it's stuff that I've been using that is just, you know, has stood the test of time over the years. Great little warm-ups, uh, tons of vocal pitch exercises, some ensemble work, rhythm skills, and but like two over 200 sight reading examples for rhythm, for tonal patterns, mini melodies, advanced melodies. There's a little music theory in there for key signatures, and then um, and then some additional folk songs, rounds, chorales, and then musical terms and symbols at the end. So like I said, it's a it's a one-stop shop for everything you want your choir student learning and doing and and uh, and using during this time. It's it's such a great resource for building independent musicianship, which is what we have a lot of time to do right now with the kids, building that independent musicianship. Mm -hmm. And um, I was using so we were using smart music in the class or smart music with habits, uh, with this habits book. We were using the book a great deal in class, and then we've been using able to use smart music with it already. the The habits book is in smart music uh, digitally. Oh, and cool. So it's it was already in there um, at the start of this year. So when we started using the book and then when we also started using smart music, it's all the same stuff. It's they're not having to learn a new method book or it, it doesn't you know, it's looking different. It's all the same same stuff. So that's that's been really great. That's been an easy transfer uh, for us in the in the online learning. And um, it's, I've been really grateful that we have this resource. Yeah, and one of the great things about smart music, uh, along with some other folks out there, is that if teachers don't have smart music, they're offering it free. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. For teachers that don't have it, they can get it uh, and use it with their students for free through the summer, which um, is... Uh, super cool, super cool. Yeah. The great thing, I think, about... Um, using this, which would be so great during this time, is I noticed right away, especially the second week when I was hearing some of the recordings, I realized these students are not warming up each day. They're not, they're not doing their vocal pitch exercises like we normally do. They're not singing for 90 minutes a day every day. I can hear that right away. Yeah, as um, if you would notice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, they're just trying to do their little recording assignment, not having warmed up or having sung. And so this could be, you know, a great way to have to build back some consistency for students to do a daily warm up because they could they could open up the book and they could look at it and, and see and the teacher could make a recording, but then the kid could could look at it. Oh, yeah, that's what that warm up is. And there's, again, there's a visual reference. We normally do it, you know, warm ups just all like, okay, I'm going to play it and you sing it right back. Uh, but for these kids, when they're on their own at home, it can be really nice to see the notes and see what those vowels, syllables are supposed to be. And also the vocal pitch exercises, all the, you know, major, your major scale, your extended major scale, singing your scale in third, singing triads, singing fourths. Maybe you've done some of those. Maybe it's time to teach a new one of those. Um, and so having the visual, um, the visual for the kid to look at, for your student to look at would be super great. It would be really helpful. Another thing that I um, was doing just, you know, thinking about this would be so fun 
and this could be a, a great assignment. Um, and I'm, in fact, I'm going to do this as soon as we, as soon as we finish talking about this. Um, there are there are folk songs and rounds in the habits of a successful choral musician at the end. And a lot of my students know some of these already. I can have them easily learn one. It's also in smart music, so they can learn it that way. And what a great thing to do. It's like, okay, part one, record yourself, learn the song. Then part two, like if it's a round or if it's a partner song, you know, find a way either with GarageBand or with voice memos or whatever to record yourself and then make the round with yourself or collaborate with another student in class. Like we normally would when we're singing rounds in class, but make it a little assignment to collaborate. Um, and I think it's, they love harmonizing, you know, so this will be a, this will be a fun thing to do. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna do that next for sure. So tell me, has there been anything that's been maybe really surprising or what's been the most unexpected thing that has come up for you or your students during this time? Yeah, I, I found myself right away, like going into this, knowing they were going to go home and have to be all online students. Right away, I found myself teaching them more about what study skills they were going to need to succeed just as across the board um, and succeed and stay healthy and to help their family. Uh, in fact, we made a video the first day we were out uh, Matt and Lizzie and I, and it was pretty, it was pretty fun. It's, we called it the SCOM video, S-C-H-O-M, because it was school at home. And uh, it just had a bunch of tips to help them transition into that time. And I was also encouraging my students to help out a lot at home because with everybody in the house together, there's going to be more dishes, there's going to be more clutter, more things getting dirty. And they've got to do their part and try to help out to keep things um, running smooth at home. I also interviewed, it was so funny, I, I interviewed one of my, my neighbor friends who's been working from home for, you know, 13 years. And that he's got a bunch of skills that he knows about to how to be successful working from home. And so many, so many adults are before quarantine would were, were do a lot of work from home and Many of my students, I'm sure, in the future will be working from home. So I wanted to just capitalize on this opportunity to talk to them about good study skills and good life skills for having a career uh, that where you're working a lot at home. And um, I, I didn't, I wasn't planning on that being part of my curriculum. You know, usually some of that stuff creeps in when we're talking to the students because we want to develop them as as full humans. Uh, but it, it definitely took the forefront for a couple of weeks uh, with my students. Yeah, and I think that's such a natural thing for, you know, people, the choir band orchestra directors to, yeah. uh, because we have, it is a different relationship when you have a mm -hmm. student for all four years that, uh, you know, you realize there's more than just music that they're learning yeah. from us every day. So, well, and if they, if they, if we're taking care of who they are as a person, and 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 having their family family home situation continue to be good and and then they're going to be able to continue to sing and make music and contribute to the ensemble and contribute to the school and you know it's a win-win for everybody yeah absolutely you know for me i teach in a technology environment every day so i thought switching over to digital learning was going to be a piece of cake but uh, i realized pretty quick 
that uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't uh, going to work exactly the way that I thought it would. So I wanted to ask you, since all this started, have you found that your goals and expectations for your students have changed or, or have they changed? And what would be your advice to any ensemble director out there who is trying to get all this figured out? I think my goals have basically stayed the same. We're doing a lot less. Uh, we, I expect the same quality out of them, but instead of maybe working on 10 songs at the end of the year, we're working on two <laughs> or three, you know, and um, it's just not possible. We still have to do our end of the year auditions and the expectations for those auditions have not changed. The way we're going about it is changing a little bit. They're submitting a recorded solo instead of coming in and singing it to us live. And then, but we are going to do a Zoom meeting for live sight reading. Um, so that's pretty much where we are with goals as far as goals and expectations are. But as far as any advice to an ensemble director, I would say you know, this, we've never had any time like this before where we're all still working, but we have no major concerts coming up. And I would say, you know, use this time to reflect or to create or to revise for yourself or for your program. Find, find fun ways to keep your students singing or playing. This could be a great time to teach composition, improvisation, collaborative songwriting, maybe more than you would. Maybe it was, I know, I mean, let's be honest, when we get busy getting ready for concerts, um, we're, we tend not to, in our ensembles, spend as much time doing composition or improv, collaborative songwriting. And this could be just a great time to come up with some 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 assignments, some, you know, I came up with a, a I called it the the QSP, the Quarantine Song Project, uh, was a new thing that we ju just made, and we kind of just because we had to. And so, but I, the cool thing is, is I'm going to continue using it uh, when when things get back to what we would call normal, I guess. Um, so that's what I would say. We've gotten, we've got all this time. We've never had a time like this before, and stay creative and and get after it, and have some fun too along the way. Yeah, I think that's that's great, great advice. So, well, Eric, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to uh, talk with me today. I'd like to just sit here and keep picking your brain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that in addition to uh, your choir program that you have a beautiful family to attend to during this time <laughs> with, with uh, Emily and those two yes. girls. So I know we kind of need to wrap this up. But before we go, do you, you have any final thoughts or encouragement or that you'd like to share? I think, you know, just to kind of piggyback on what I just said is you got to have fun with some of this and be a little silly. Like, for example, like right here, can, can you hear that? You know, did you hear yeah. that click on the microphone? Yeah. That, you know what that is? And this is, what, what about this right here? Oh, look at this. That's an Oreo cookie and some milk. And I am gonna. We're we're taking a little afternoon Oreo cookie break, and here it is. Here it is. Hmm. I don't know. Can you taste that? Can you, oh. can you hear that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's good stuff. When I make recordings for my kids, I make sure I put some silly quirky stuff in there, like 
audio recording of me eating an Oreo cookie. I mean, why not? Yeah, no, that's <laughs> because you know, it's you know, that's engaging. The students are kind of like, what's he going to do today? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, they're kids. Have fun. Have fun. Sometimes the online and digital learning can be cold and not have any sort of our personality wrapped in it. And so I would encourage teachers to have fun and make sure you got some wrap your personality up into this online learning. Great. Well, Eric, thanks again for your time and your insight today. I, you know, I appreciate you sharing uh, these ideas and these thoughts. And I certainly wish for you and the family and all your students uh, health and safety as we get get through all this together. But uh, hopefully we can continue this conversation again soon. Thanks so much, Heath. I wish the same to you. Take care. And that will do it for this episode of UTech Teacher Talk. This has been your host, Heath, at utechteachernet.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making this podcast today. I would also like to encourage you to visit our website, www.utechteachernet.com. All content on the website is open and free to everyone. You can also find our YouTube channel at Mutech Teachernet. And we're also out there on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For all the listeners, I wish you and your families uh, health during this time. Please remember to keep your distance, but also that a smile can go a long way. Advocate, support, inspire, create the Music Technology Teacher Network.